0: Right on, man. Comedy Film Nerds, episode 453, Chris. We're halfway to 906. We'll get there. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I was planning our 906 party. And Where's it going to be? I think it's going to be on a rooftop.
1: By the edge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> kind of a, yeah. <laughs> kind of a suicide-packed episode. <laughs> be it will be by the edge, Chris. <laughs> I love doing that. Yeah. I love just starting. Like, I wish you and I were in an improv trip yeah. together so I could just start some. Like, I need a place you go on vacation, and you would be like a gargoyle. Oh, shark cage. Shark cage. Yeah. It's just, it's just some
2: <laughs> fucked up thing. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad you have conversations from the abyss yeah. <laughs> because I feel like if you didn't have this valve,
1: yeah, <laughs> let it all would, out.
0: We would show up here yeah. and you would be like Carrie, covered in blood, tick, 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 like tick, just tick. ready to <laughs> just <laughs>
1: fucking
2: go nuts.
1: I <laughs> will tell you, I, that always brings me back to when we visited um, um, when we were at Clyde Barker's place and uh, we were talking to his his production executive was like, yeah, he's just, he's the nicest guy because he gets it all out on the page. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I have nightmares from walking around that place. I know. It was so creepy. It was so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And And I know he was watching us.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was, there was cameras. It's like a casino. There's cameras you see and there's cameras you don't see. You don't see. see. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Those like
3: paintings on the wall where like the eyes follow you. I (laughs) could
0: only hope.
1: Absolutely. That's had to be. There was one like weird viewing area too that was, uh, yeah. Well,
0: let me put it, it this way. I would be disappointed if some of yeah, the yeah. eyes in the photos no, yeah, weren't yeah, following me. I'd be like, come on. Yeah, they're absolutely. just a painting?
3: Absolutely. I want to walk in a room and just like a little bit of blood spilled yeah. on the floor. Something. No it's right, exactly. like a bloody I
0: see it. handprint. Yep. Like when you go Looks to Looks like I was Barker's trying to get house. away. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like you go to Clive Barker's house and, you know, say it looked like, you know, like a plantation um, mansion. Like that would be like, well, now I'm disappointed. This is, Bob, bu- yes. Yeah, yeah. This is like, it has to be weird and creepy and mm-hmm. isolated, and I need to be uncomfortable every second I'm in this home. Yeah, yeah if you yeah. were
0: like, Well, wow, <laughs> re- what nice furniture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love your garden. I would yeah. be like, what the... Something needs to be off. Yes. You grew all these mm-hmm. carnations, Clyde? Wow,
3: yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. No, I want loose teeth in yeah. a bowl in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> that's what I would want. <laughs> I want to walk in yeah. there and just like, oh,
0: Okay, you know what? Next to the soap dish. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. loose teeth. Yeah. I don't want to know why you're there.
1: But that's what I expect.
0: And just like you're in there and you hear him go like, did you find the soap and towels? Yeah. Oh, I know what uh, he's asking. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to even play this game.
1: Everything's great. Yeah.
0: And you just hear the floor creaking and a door right. lock.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, folks, let's introduce our, gra- our guest. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of bowl of loose teeth in a bathroom. yeah <laughs> Yes. he uh, must be a podcast. He must be a podcaster. Be a podcaster. <laughs> from the Who Shot You podcast at Max Fun that I just did which was a blast to do. Ricky Carmona. Thank you for
3: having me, gentlemen.
0: It's a pleasure to be here. Um ex- tell everybody, I was about to say explain. That sounds a little accusatory. <laughs> explain <laughs> your fucking podcast. <laughs> what the fuck are you guys doing? No, tell everyone about dare your podcast. You? I love Max Fun. Laura Swisher who's been a, who's a friend and has been on this show before. Uh, reached out to us about me being on the show, and she sent some other podcasters uh, this way. Tell everybody about the show, because it was a lot of fun, and I loved your guys' format.
3: Oh, thanks, dude. Well, thanks for doing the show. It was, uh, it was great. We had, we had Grandma to talk about uh, the movie Destroyer. Uh, but our show, it's basically uh, myself, I'm a comedian, two film critics, uh, Alonzo Duralde, April Wolf and we review a new movie every week and since I'm the comic I'm the one who doesn't have to who uh, doesn't have to have the most intelligent opinion in the world uh, and they're really the ones who uh kind of give like a film critique and April's great cuz she comes at things more from a uh, she's a huge fan of horror uh and uh Alonzo is just you know you were there Alonzo <laughs> he he's a he's a great uh film critic and we talk about new movies every week we're uh the tagline on the show, I believe, is like, it's not just, uh, you know, straight white guys. No disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to my dis- straight <laughs> white guys in the building. I love y'all. You boys. It's Your bowls of teeth. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's a real fun show. Yeah, we do it uh, We do it once a week, and uh, and I like doing it.
1: Yeah. I know yeah. Some of my friends are straight white guys. I get it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> They're not all bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I was, what was one of the, the segments though that we did? I'm trying to remember where we, we had, uh, well, we have our new segment, Eat
3: a Dick, which sounds like <laughs> what you think it is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And then we talked about, I believe we talked about LA film history, no? Didn't we talk about yeah, like LA Yeah, we did talk about yeah. LA
0: film history, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And we... Because we, we mentioned, cause Destroyer, is shot in LA mm-hmm. and we were kind of talking about different, like LA cop stories exactly yeah uh, movies and and that was really cool yeah i bruise. was
3: and i was ready to just spend all of that talking about heat like i just oh, want to yeah. talk about heat 24 7 365 i could do that it's michael man's birthday today oh <laughs> shout, shout out, out to straight that. white guy yeah. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> I'm like uh, what's his name in in Black Klansmen. See, I like to infiltrate the groups.
0: One <laughs> <laughs> of the movies we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yes. Um,
1: so <laughs> well, let's get into it. What then. movies are yeah. we going to talk about? I want to talk about. We're going to revisit a few movies, okay. and we're going to talk about uh, Black Klansmen, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Polar, If Beale Street Could Talk, and They Shall Not Grow Old. Okay. And um, I'll tell you some of these movies. I haven't seen yet, and I can't wait to hear about them. And other movies, I'm excited about. And uh, there's one movie that I'm sorry I saw. So we will uh, we will talk about
0: all of them. Oh, I wish we could bet.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we could put all of those, just these are
0: the movies and try to guess which yeah. one is that one.
1: So I want to uh, revisit Black Klansman because I did see it over the uh, the weekend, and I wanted to kind of add something to the uh, discussion mm-hmm. because uh, I thought it was great. I think it's a front runner for the Oscars yeah. for sure. Uh, But one of the things I I kind of have a a different perspective on is because I read the original scripts before the movie came out. Mm -hmm. I read the original one uh, that the writers wrote that was adapted from the book. Then I read the uh, script afterwards that uh, after Spike Lee and his writers took a pass at it. And I got to see the differences from script to Mm -hmm. script, which was really interesting. Um, The first thing that you noticed uh, that I noticed when I was reading is the first script was more um, kind of went closer to the book and uh, it was more like a a biography like there you could tell like this is kind of what happened you know there's not a lot of like Hollywood polish or creative liberties on it Uh, (laughs) and it was basically a um, it was set entirely in the 70s and it was a very cut and uh, it was a very contained self-contained story but Spike Lee's draft and then when I saw the film I thought he did something that was absolutely um fantastic and really brilliant that he took that self-contained story that something that happened in the 70s and he took the racism elements and he applied them to today and what's going on today and that could have been such a disaster and so ham-handed and so like um incongruous but it wasn't it seemed um it it um it it basically it Um, there were no seams. That's kind of what I was trying to say is uh, it, it went together perfectly the way the themes and the action and the message and everything about this movie, even with, Oh, he's making some Trump references like that in the wrong hands. That could have come off really, yep. really poorly, Real and really clunky. like, oh God, what's you know? I, I get it, yeah. He's wear, he's gonna wear a MAGA hat now, yes, and yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know, Spike Lee knew exactly what he was doing, and he knew how to put it together, and and he knew just when to push and just went to back off throughout that entire film. Because the other problem is you have to understand that this film, the present, the premise, even though it's based on a true story, is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: it's absolutely ridiculous. If it wasn't so, a true story, you yeah. wouldn't believe it. Totally. Right. You'd right. be like, this so, is bullshit.
1: Yeah, there's so, no way this could happen. In the hands <laughs> yeah. of a incompetent filmmaker, this could have gone way off tone. Like, you know, oh, it's goofy, or now it's serious. It didn't know what to do with it. And Spike Lee struck that perfect balance of like, yeah, this is ridiculous. This is really what happened. This part's funny. This part's uh, not funny. This is real. This is what you really should be thinking about. And this is what you should be taking away from this film. Yeah, And I thought he did all those things absolutely brilliantly. And when I look at like the field of Oscar movies, this one really stands out. And I think not just because of the subject matter, but because of the skill of the filmmaker putting it all together
3: yeah the way he like (laughs) juggles tone in that movie when it's a scene that is like oh this is hilarious right and Mm -hmm. then you get to a scene where it's harry belafonte just telling that story yeah and you're like i Mm -hmm. just want to be in a dark room and cry right right now because this is horrible Mm -hmm. you know and then he comes back at you with laughter again yeah yeah he just comes back with you like just like amazing imagery Mm -hmm. like it's also visually a great looking Movie, yeah. Well, those two mm-hmm. things
0: are Spike's strengths. I mean, yes. like, like, if you look at, um, um, oh, I'm blanking on the, the- She's Gotta Have It. No, or... the most, the, the race riot one, the, from Do the, right not, thing. Do the Right Do the thing. Right Thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Another great, I mean, that, that's where you really saw those things, like there's some hilarious moments in Do the Right Thing, mm-hmm. and then there's some really heavy moments. Yeah. And again, he was drawing on a lot of actual events and tension that had been mm-hmm. happening in that neighborhood- Yep. You know, in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. And he really knows how to walk that line and yes. talk about mm-hmm. things to get people to discuss it mm-hmm. and, and and get the conversations going. And then again, his his I mean his visual and his his the way he uh uses color and paints a picture is just fantastic. He's right. such an amazing filmmaker. And and Chris, the point you bring up about how it could have been clunky in the wrong filmmaker's hands to weave in current racism with the '70s. I felt right. the same way, sort of, when I watched last year. I am not your Negro. Mm-hmm. They're talking about what they're showing James Baldwin talking about race issues from the '60s and '70s, and then they wove in, you know, Ferguson and news footage and and today, and you're yep. and and they did a, such a good job. Again, it could have been like really clunky or that didn't make sense, mm-hmm. but they did a great job of showing. This shit ain't been fixed—not <laughs> right. by yeah. a long shot—and yeah. Yeah. we need to really talk about this because it's been going on for well centuries. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we thought the sixties and seventies were like the height of the fights and the resistance, and not much has changed. Mm-hmm. And in right. some ways, you could argue it's gotten worse. Some some things have been a lot better in terms of legally, we don't have legalized segregation and all that kind of crap. You know what's but uh, man, well, yeah.
1: you know what's such a um, a paradox is that. How could it have gotten better and worse at the same time? <laughs> you know, like like you said, some things have gotten better, some things have gotten worse. Like, why are we going in two different directions on this? We're
0: like, concurrently going, concurrently, yeah, better yeah. and worse, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's yeah. that It's, I mean, it's, it's like yep. hitting
1: the brake and the accelerator at the same time. That shouldn't be possible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know? and you
3: see a movie like I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, you see a movie like Green Book, which mm-hmm. had another opportunity to be like, okay, here's here's what racism was like back then. Uh, how can we relate it to what is happening in the country right now? And it just mm. does none of that. And that mm-hmm. movie, to me at least, just falls so fucking flat. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, wh- what? Why am I watching? Why am I watching well, well, this movie right now? Because like, just in terms of acting performances, I liked it. They're good actors.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was with Green Book. It was really just like the story. Just felt so dated. I just feel well, like I'm not getting anything. It. I'm not getting anything out of this. I did
0: some research after I saw the movie because I was at. Because when I see historical movies, I always go to Hollywood.
3: What are they? What did they Where add? Did they yeah. add? They put this in the Hollywood filter, you know? Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> and they weren't friends, right? He fired mm-hmm. the guy. The right. guy was a racist. They didn't become buddies for the rest of their life, and that's just some sort of whitewashing, white guilt bullshit. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, and and he wasn't. Ignorant about black culture, like he, what's what's black music and right. what's fried chicken? Like he, he, that was like no. And I read this article actually, a review of it in the Black Agenda Report, this website that I read, and it was like, man, they broke it down. And I was like, then that movie loses something for me. Sure. Uh, again, those are both very good actors. Yeah. But when Hollywood does that, it's not the actor's fault that the history wasn't done correctly or the script. But let, like,
1: let me ask you a question. Uh, with that being said, um, what if this movie wasn't based on real people or a true story? Would you have enjoyed it more? Which movie? Uh, Green Book. What if it was completely fictional?
0: Then I might have gone. I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. I maybe. might have done. It had a similar thing of like. Because I would have gone, uh, all right, did this, I mean, this racist and this, this dude, I mean, they so really. So like this yeah.
1: has to have that marketing hook of based on a true story. Yeah. Interesting. I, I think, haven't seen it yet. This is the one that I'm curious to
0: see. Because it's like, if it didn't, and the fact that it kind of happened, but then they put this spin on it bothers right. me. Because yeah, that's right. like Hollywood's history of, of, of whitewashing things. And it's mm-hmm. like...
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't reach out to uh, the character that Mahershali plays. Uh, I can't remember they, the character's they, name. Yeah, but they did not reach out to his family at all for any research mm. when they put that script together. And it's like, well... Well, then what the hell am I looking at right now? Is this just kind of like, I mean, propaganda is an extreme word, but is this just like a commercial for how nice Viggo Mortens' character was and like the lessons he learned? I'm not... That tells you what it is. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, when you're a person of color and you see movies like this, like that alarm goes off right away. Like I'm like, oh, I know what I'm watching here. I know what I'm going to get out of this.
0: Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you, if you're doing a historical drama, why wouldn't you want to get it as accurate as possible? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to get into this when we talk about "They Shall Not Grow Old." What Peter mm-hmm. Jackson did, we'll get into that right. later. But I, t-
1: I, I found some amazing trivia on that. I couldn't I, believe it when it, I uh, when I when I read about it. I, I can't wait to hear about this. <laughs> you know, before you you came in, um, Brendan came in and started raving about the movie. Mm-hmm. He was like, uh, "And uh, well, we'll talk about it." soon. But, all right, but right, um. <laughs> they should have done that with
0: Green Book. Right? Yeah, and when they don't, it's like when we saw. Um, I'm always blanking on this title. The uh, the. Uh, African-American women that were the the math... in the oh, oh, Figures. Figures. Yeah. In figures, which there was a lot about that movie I liked, but that scene mm. where, you know, Kevin Costner is the hero who smashes down the, the whites-only yeah. bathroom. I'm like, did he do that? Is he really <laughs> the white hero? Like, we need a white guy to be the hero in the middle of the story. Yeah. That felt very... White wash well, was ho- Hollywood. Polish, that's Hollywood. Course. Yeah,
3: I actually passed on Hidden Figures. I I still haven't seen it. it was one of those movies where it was like I will say it is a good movie. Though. Is it? I've, and, I've heard and, it's and very of, entertaining. And it's, I will say
1: this from a parent perspective because it was PG. It was one of the things I could take both my kids to see, mm-hmm. like thirteen and ten, and um, as almost like
3: an introduction to there history you and uh, you know what racism looks like. That's the benefit mm-hmm. of a movie like that. Then right. and That's mm-hmm. that's solid. It's like. There were so many people coming up to me and telling me like, oh, this movie's great. It's about these, these black women and they they, they they do math and they get like into NASA, like so much like, oh, black people doing math. And I was like, did people not think black people knew how to do math before this movie came out? What the
0: hell? I don't need that lesson. <laughs> Ricky, if a- you want to learn math, <laughs> you should watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a thing. That's part of when I'm always... I feel a little leery of some of these movies too for that thing. And then, that, then I'm sort of like, then I go both sides of it, which is like, well, in one sense, I'm glad the movie came out because I didn't know about these women. Absolutely, So that's a benefit. That's yes. a good thing. Yes. I'm glad overall that they made me and other people aware. People of any ethnicity in America mm-hmm. who did not know these women existed, mm-hmm. that would be great. Mm-hmm. But that. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what's great about something like, you know, to, to bring it back to, to Black Klansmen, though. Like, I feel like Spike just trusts his audiences. And it's like, either you're either going to get what I'm doing in this movie or you're not, right. but I'm not going to dumb it down for you. Right. You know, like, come in here at the highest level of your intelligence mm-hmm. so you can understand what's happening on mm-hmm. screen. You know, and if more movies would take that risk. With with a you know a subject that's as sensitive as race, mm-hmm. I mean, then maybe we won't be fucking going parallel. We'll start like fucking intersecting because we're both seeing the same things and it's not such a one-sided story all the time. Well, that's the
0: problem, I think, is is a lot of white people are afraid to talk about it. Yes. They just don't want to have the conversation about it because they don't want to be labeled racist if they say anything. And it's like, so then what happens is that breeds the sort of whitewashing of Green Book and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, let's have the conversation. Let's have it. Yeah, It's okay to say, I don't know. I right. wasn't aware of that. People would prefer to hear that than, oh, Absolutely. come on, that didn't happen. Absolutely. Or, I've you never could had-
1: get coffee whenever you wanted. Come
0: on. <laughs> the cops have never hassled me for no reason. Right. I'm fine. I've driven through there and it was fine they late never- at night. Yeah, late at night. The cop yeah. pulled me over and asked if I was okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: i told him i had been drinking but he didn't care he just let me go yeah (laughs) we did a shot together i
0: reached into the the glove box to find my wallet and he didn't flip the fuck out (laughs) you know so it's like that's part of the problem is we need to have this and spike i remember in an interview with him early on in the 90s he just said that that very thing that you pointed out which he goes i'm not gonna spoon feed my audience like you gotta you gotta you gotta come up to the intelligence of this film, absolutely, and and work to figure this out because I can't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that, and mm-hmm. and I applaud him for that. Yeah, that's good yeah. filmmaking.
1: So, all right, let's get to. Can you ever forgive me? Now, I will say this, but before the show, I had that uh, our Mission Impossible moment where like, did we talk about this?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you saw this movie. Uh, now, what's interesting is Melissa McCarthy wasn't the first choice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ben Falcone uh, was attached to the project before she was. He recommended her, that's her husband, of course, uh, for the lead when another actor backed out. And uh, apparently that other actor was Julian Moore, who was attached to the project during early development. She removed herself due to creative differences. So I'm hmm. not sure on a movie like this what that would be exactly, maybe something with the character. But, uh, um, but Melissa McCarthy, you know, it was one of those movies that the buzz was, you know, this is one of her best performances.
0: It really, she does a great job. And this is the thing I like about Melissa McCarthy. And we talk a lot about actors that I I respect them when they make these decisions. One for them, one for you. That old adage. She'll do the big wacky comedies Mm -hmm. and the crazy haircuts Mm -hmm. and the the bumping around because she's a fucking brilliant comedic actress. Mm -hmm. She is so funny. And I don't begrudge her for taking one wacky movie after another. But then she does Broken Flowers. She does stuff like this. And this Mm -hmm. was like, this was her movie. And there are scenes in there and this is the the trick, and the again, if not hand if the, not the right director, they could fall in the trap of having a comedic actor be too wacky in a movie that's dramatic. There's scenes that are funny, and it's Melissa McCarthy being funny, but not big crazy, you know, whatever the Mrs. Spy or whatever that movie was. Right. Uh, that kind, not, that there's nothing wrong with those movies, but like. If again, if we talk about in the right or wrong filmmaker's hands, like with Black Klansman, right. mm-hmm. if in the wrong filmmaker's hands, you know, we've talked about when that when a tone shifts, like this should have been dramatic and then it got there, there's this oh, yeah. wacky scene in there that didn't make sense.
1: Mm-hmm. This uh, comment will come around again in a minute, but go ahead. <laughs> Chris yeah. has been sitting on this next movie. Oh my God. He is ready to explode. <laughs> um,
0: so. Um,
1: I'm gonna go to a rooftop party with this movie <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but but no it's really good and I understand why um, you know it got some Oscar buzz and I can't remember did she get nominated?
3: Uh, Melissa McCarthy got nominated uh, Richard Grant got okay. nominated but the but movie the, did not the movie did not and the mm. director did not and it's funny <sighs> because one of the things you mentioned right up top was how the director got the tone right and uh and yeah, I can't. I know that the director is Emily Heller's sister, and Emily Heller is a very funny, very funny comedian uh, and writer here in Los Angeles. Uh, she writes uh, on the show Barry. Uh, but it was one of those like, how did this? Uh, how did this woman not get nominated for best director? I mean, I, I think we all know why. <laughs> it's, it's that thing we talk about, Mariel Heller. There Mariel we go. Mariel Heller. it's yeah, um, supposed to be. It's supposed to be fantastic. This movie. It's, I'm, I'm it's, so looking forward to it.
0: There's no. There's no. There's no. Fake Moments. There's no bad moments in it and it's that thing we talk about like
1: based on a true story too.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do 10 up to 10 like we talk, they only did 8 again. Best picture. Here's a slot you right. could have put in there. I mean not to mention we talk about the Mr. Rogers snub. I mean whatever like I can't believe that. This 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 <laughs> is this is this is such it's it's such a great I mean the screenplay <laughs> should get a, a nomination. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad these two actors because she did a fantastic job. I
3: mm-hmm. think the screenplay might have gotten nominated. Oh, did it? Nominated. Okay, all right. I, th- I, think, I think it did. I think that's my of the- do you mind
0: looking that up? Um, while we're talking about this. So anyway, she does a fantastic job and what she does a great job of is playing, because what that's, for those of here's what happened. So this is based on a true story. of This woman who was a, a, a published author who was not getting work and right. she was uh, also an alcoholic and a fuck up. Mm-hmm. And she desperately needed money and found a, a she was doing research for um, this, I forget the actor, uh, an actual actor's name and was found this actually handwritten letter or a uh, typed letter that was autographed or signed. Mm. And she took it to a bookstore. This is in like early nineties in New York that sells you know um, memorabilia from famous authors or celebrities or whatever and they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll pay you 200 bucks for this." And she's like, "Okay." And she starts forging these letters mm-hmm. <laughs> and going to all of these uh memorabilia stores around New York and starts, I mean, cleaning up. <laughs> 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 and she's writing in right. these people's voices and she's right. saying personal stuff and she's mm-hmm. researching. That's amazing. She buys old typewriters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's got like you see in her room, her apartment, there's like four different typewriters and this one says you know what other Dorothy Danbridge, and then this was, you know, ah. like, it's like, and she starts making crazy money, and of course she gets caught, right? And she, it's not an easy thing to play someone who she's a, she's a fuck up, and you could you could play that if you play that if the wrong actor and the wrong writer and the wrong director together, it's just going to be well, she's not likable. I don't give a fuck about her.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: She's an asshole. Mm-hmm. But you see the, the 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 sort of sadness underneath her she keeps screwing up and she's trying, but she's mean. And like, she's an asshole to people, but she's in a lot of pain and she loves her cat and can't afford, like all of this stuff where you, which is the mark of a really good actor and a really good script and great direction. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure, we talk about this a lot, it's easy for comedic actors to lean into their bag of tricks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you got to have a skill. It's like the, the, the biggest example is is Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love. Right? Yes. Right? Yeah. And we're, uh, the the rumor is they shot it and he kept doing big Adam Sandler stuff and they had to reshoot stuff. The director, Paul Thomas Sanderson, was like, uh uh-uh. uh. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Smaller, smaller, smaller. And he's like, okay. And then he did it. <laughs> and he's like, I told you. <laughs> um,
3: well, that's, that's one of my favorite movies. And that's the first time I've heard that story. Oh, that's amazing.
0: It might oh, be. Oh, yeah. It might be a a rumor, I don't know. But I I, I heard that that was true.
3: Well,
1: um, what seems to be also true is uh, neither one of them ever wants to work with the other again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but so this was, and, and I don't, I'm don't. i not beginning to, I'm not mm-hmm. claiming that Melissa McCarthy was going big and wacky and the director had sure. to pull her back, but I'm sure there were some takes. Just, I know that would, I, that would happen to me just as a, as a stage comic of like, blah, blah. And on mm-hmm. film, it's gotta be. And so they really... And the moments where she's saying jackass things that are funny, it's coming out organically. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just like, just let the camera roll and let Melissa do her thing. Mm-hmm. No, they're it's, letting um, her interpret it. It's character-driven jokes. Character-driven. Yes. Mm-hmm. This mean, self-loathing alcoholic that it keeps screwing up, that she's fucked up her life. She's gotten some bad breaks, but like a lot of people that are fuck-ups, You've manufactured a lot of these bad breaks, <laughs> or when a bad break comes, you make it worse, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and she does that, but then she has just enough like you have just enough sympathy and compassion for her character that you're like, "Ah, oh, fuck, like you want to just go, you're stop fucking up, yeah, and she does a beautiful job of that, and then this friendship with this guy he's a complete disaster
2: <laughs>
1: and that's
0: what happens when you're a right. f- drunk and a fuck up you you're you attract a, like, like like
1: kind like mm-hmm. attracts like Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: and um it's a beautiful journey and a great movie and it really deserves more praise i'm glad it got some nominations did it get the nomination for best screenplay adapted yes best, best adapted, adapted. okay screenplay. all right well great so those are those are three categories to root for, but it's really worth seeing. And Melissa McCarthy, goddamn, like I, I she can do as many, as long as she keeps making movies like this. Mm-hmm. Hats off, keep making the wacky ones mm-hmm. if that's paying the bills and keeping the agents happy as long as she does one of these every couple of years i'm 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 such a fan of hers right like yeah. the
1: agents will roll their eyes at and i'm like all right we'll see what happens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all,
0: right, all right you got to do ghostbusters yeah, okay yeah. <laughs> which i love yeah. i love ghostbusters mm. i uh, have
3: a feeling that word of mouth is really going to give this one like an extra like an ex- a, like a bigger yeah. audience yeah mm-hmm. once once it starts like showing up like on streaming yeah right cuz everybody who i've who has seen the movie has spoken about it just like you have people who I've talked to who have seen the trailer have been like when is this movie coming out and i'm like it actually did already just it just got a really limited release and people didn't go see it mm. for who knows the reasons probably just cuz well, you know what? There was also like she did Happy Time Murderers yeah. over the summer, and I think people were like, mm, mm, <laughs> we're, good we're, on, we're... "We're good on we're good on Melissa yeah. right yeah. now." Yeah, actually, I saw. I went to I see. I don't think it helped. No, it did not. <laughs> <laughs> I went. I had to see Happy Time Murderers for my podcast, but they showed a trailer to this before it, and I was like, "Well, that looks like it might be one of the fucking movies of the year.
0: That looks mm-hmm. amazing." It's also one of those things because of the limited release. It's also a movie where it's like in this. That
1: might have been the worst trailer to see before that movie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, and They should have shown their Schindler's List. Yeah, <laughs> very weird. It got very strange. It's all these dark, <laughs> really. <Yeah.
0: laughs> d- What's a TV
3: movie? What are you showing <laughs> me right now? What the hell is going on here?
0: <laughs> oh God! Um, but like, it's it's it, it, you, you bring up a good point. In this era of streaming and and VOD. This is not a movie I'd say, you got to see this on the big screen. Right, totally, right, right. Like Roma. Right, exactly. Roma, you got to see on the big screen. This is like, when it's on VOD or, or streaming, then watch it. It's the perfect movie. I watch a, a DVD screener at my house. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Watch at home. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, don't miss this performance. These performances. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. So check it out.
2: All
1: right. All right. Check it out. So, now, I saw the movie Polar. <laughs> Speaking uh, of streaming. Yes. So we, with uh, Madsie Mickelson. Mm. And... Uh, Eminem. We, yeah. <laughs> let me just... Uh, Start by the uh, the premise of this movie. Um, he's a hitman. Okay. Uh, he's I'm reaching in. he's yep. reaching the age of fifty where he has to. There's mandatory retirement for his agency at fifty. Okay. And so there's he, hitman uh,
0: agencies. Yeah, there's
1: hitman agency. Okay. And, we're starting uh,
0: to get on a little yeah, wobbly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Starting to on A little. He, uh, it's a
0: little. Stay with he, uh, you. <laughs> The polar ice is melting. Yeah. A, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm losing my footing a little. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he has a 401k. And, okay, uh, I'm. And I'm
0: thi- I've almost <laughs> fallen down.
1: <laughs> and at fifty, he gets to collect it, but his employer, even though making all this money and investing it for him, decides when the assassins hit 50 he doesn't want to pay out their 401k so he makes sure the assassins have to die before 50 so he doesn't have to pay out their 401ks.
0: Okay I've fallen into a frozen (laughs) pond, and I need help I need someone I have a 60 seconds to hypothermia unless of course you can show me somewhere Um, on LinkedIn where there is one of these agencies that's hiring So,
1: So that's the premise of the film. Now however this might even work if it was a comedy film. Um, if it's a dark, violent um, action movie that's full of blood and guts, it may not work as well. Hmm. If you don't know what kind of movie you're making, then it will work even less.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um,
1: this movie, and this is saying something, was one of the worst movies on Netflix I've ever seen. Wow. And, uh, wow. So I honestly think the that's movie department, wow. they, they went, you know what? Bright. All right, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: I would watch Bright Again before this movie. Uh,
2: oh,
1: Chris wow. Mancini walking to the edge of a You know, I, I really feel like somebody in that office went, all right, you got Roma. Now we're gonna make another hundred shitty movies again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so For every one Roma.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got, <laughs> we've
0: gotta do at least Jesus fifteen.
1: Christ. After this movie, I felt ocularly violated. <laughs>
0: So somebody, somebody said, let's make a dramatic version of Gross Point Blank.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also not know what we're doing. And wow. then, uh, so this movie, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's like a 12-year-old with a fake ID, a stack of pornos, and an NRA membership. That's what this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> and it's like oh we're gonna be over the top violence okay oh but we're gonna put a lot of sex in it oh no but we're gonna put them all together at the same time oh, Jesus. so so every uh violent scene has uncomfortable nudity and violence in it so there's naked people getting hit in the head with axes and then every sex scene you're like oh this is making me uncomfortable because someone is about to get shot in their naked body <laughs> uh so uh and then oh my god I don't know what happened. I don't know who has incriminating photos on him, but Richard Dreyfuss is in this movie. Whoa. Uh, for one scene. And I don't know. Like I said, it has to be some kind of blackmail. Uh, kids are black in college male. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm yeah. worried something. about
3: him right now because he's got so, some movie with Chevy Chase out. Yeah. Uh, no, and well where I'm like, mm, what are you no, doing? Um, What's going on over nobody here?
1: Nobody above the line involved in this film should work again. <laughs> and uh, every actor in this film should receive a letter of reprimand from SAG. <laughs> <laughs> into their folder. A sternly
0: Uh,
2: worded letter of reprimand.
1: Uh, So it was absolutely unbelievably, like, to watch this movie and we're like, well, this is just, okay, we're gonna put a bunch of um, gratuitous violence, and then gratuitous sex, then put them all together, then do it over and over again, and then, like, alright, well, let's, we have to make Mads, this character, we gotta make him, like, troubled, and, uh, well, clearly there was a hit that's gone wrong that's haunting him. Of course. So, every time he closes his eyes, we're gonna put a <laughs> five-minute disturbing montage on, and just in case by the 20th time you haven't quite gotten that he is disturbed, we're gonna keep doing it over and over and over again, and then not let up and not make it shorter and show it again and again and again and then uh, towards the end we're going to add some torture porn too oh, so, uh, great. so oh. it was you're a mess a from date start movie. to finish yeah. yes, yes
0: I'm hearing bring the kids that's yeah. what I'm hearing. if
1: you're dating an executioner yes or a, uh,
0: who's and, about to retire yeah, yeah, yeah who's about to retire
1: <laughs> yeah and even like uh, I swear to God like even like Johnny Knoxville is in a scene I'm like what you know I, I can honestly say that, this is the worst movie he's ever made. Wow. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville. So it's so bad. He has a
0: bunch of He has of a recommend. bunch of
1: really shitty movies. And uh, uh, so I don't know. It's based on a graphic novel, but I don't know what happened or what, like, it was just, it went so off the rails from the start and never came back. And it was just one scene of gratuitous violence and sex, again, combined. So um, it was uncomfortable whichever side you were rooting for sex or violence you know (laughs) Uh, and then um, there's one character I think Vanessa Hudgens Mm -hmm. probably thinking like you know I should really call the Disney Channel and see if they'll take me back (laughs) so uh, so this movie is an absolute mess it's um, it is not worth your time and, um, again, it's one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen.
0: Thank you, because oh, I considered maybe watching it. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> I have saved you two hours. Thank you. What if I eat all of the edibles? Yeah. <laughs> and then say, I enjoy
3: it? Like, In I'm all of Los Angeles. Find, yes. Well. Uh,
1: you know, honestly, it's the kind of movie, too, even if you are, uh, say, under the influence mm. of something, it will make you sad And it will like stick in your head and like in a very negative way. Like there's no way to enjoy this movie. Wow! Unless you don't watch it.
0: (laughs) The best way to enjoy enjoy (laughs) enjoy this movie is
1: to not watch it at all. Yes. All right. Um, It's like the end of War Games with Tic Tac Toe. (laughs) Strange game. The only way to win is not to play. um man. so uh yeah and, and this is just one of those movies that i don't normally get angry after watching a movie this one got me angry mm. it was one of those i'm like oh come on come on like you know i like, think you
0: really... texted me about this yeah
1: i did i was so a mad a couple of days ago so yeah yeah it was i almost canceled my netflix subscription <laughs> <laughs> i haven't finished punisher daredevil yet but i don't care this can't be in my home digitally <laughs>
0: I don't even want the option of watching it. (laughs) uh,
3: (laughs) So, all right. I am all for the genre since i think Taken might have been the first one to yeah. do it mm-hmm. with older dudes yep. who are whooping ass there is a thousand better examples of that genre and i was looking forward to when yeah. you know netflix was saying you should watch yeah. polar i was mm-hmm. and i, I enjoy mm-hmm. mads mickelson but yeah. this is there's terrible so many to hear. Exa- mm-hmm.
0: there's well it's the, there was that denzel washington movie the equalizer well there's equalizer the but then there, there was that movie mm-hmm. that denzel did where he was he was in the south and they, or in, uh, in uh, Mexico or something, and they kidnapped a kid. And... Oh, a uh,
3: man on fire. Yes! Man oh, on fire. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, man yeah. on fire mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. 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 He's haunted by his yeah. demons yes. and he's going to
0: settle some
1: scores. Yeah. To... This filmmaker saw none of those movies. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, it was clear. This was like, uh, um, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I'll just put all these scenes together and uh, get some extra blood and we'll be good. <laughs> Boob, right. Boobs and blood. All right, (laughs) all right.
0: Um, So let's talk about let's talk about as other Oscar movies. If Beale Street could talk, because we 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 none of we haven't seen it yet. We haven't had a guest on that's seen it yet. So it's gotten some Mm -hmm. Mm nominations. Tell what what did you think of this?
3: If uh, If Beale Street could talk, it's uh, Barry (laughs) Jenkins' newest movie. Uh, He directed Moonlight, which won uh, Best Picture. Mm A great film. It's Moonlight is fantastic. I loved Moonlight. It's a great movie. Loved Moonlight, and I was very much looking forward to uh, If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, it takes place in Harlem. It is about a, uh, a young black couple who uh, are together. They're in love. They're childhood sweethearts, uh, childhood sweethearts. Is it modern day? It is not modern day. Okay. It takes place in the, I believe it takes place in the 70s, the, the mid-70s. Oh, kind of like the same, same era as, as Black Klansmen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And is this
1: maybe a Black Klansmen? you know, extended cinematic universe? <laughs> <we might> <laughs> Uh,
3: <laughs> I mean, there are some racist-ass <laughs> white people in it. So <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, that extended universe—that's yes, yes. like, every movie.
3: That cop looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this couple is together. Uh, the girl—we uh, learn that the girl is pregnant—and then we start to learn through flashbacks that her boyfriend is in prison, and uh, she needs to find a way to uh, get th- get him out of prison because he has been wrongfully uh, put in prison by a racist police officer. So we're kind of seeing in flashback uh, us leading to the moment where he gets put into prison mm-hmm. as well as them falling in love. And then in the present day, still the 70s, but in the present day timeline, we are seeing uh, her and her family try and get the boyfriend out of prison. Uh, and just living in the 70s as well. It's, it's very much a, it's a character piece. Uh, it is a drama. There's there's some kind of mystery because you're waiting to see how this will end. Uh, I don't know how you all are on spoilers on this show.
0: Uh, we don't do that. Don't do spoilers? Okay, no spoilers. all right. Uh, well, we have specific is... spoiler episodes, but this is not one. Gotcha. Of okay.
3: Well, the ending is, is very powerful. It's a... Uh, I'll say positive things about this movie. It's a one of the best-looking movies that came out last year visually I mean, Barry Jenkins just has a goddamn eye, like just like Spike. I mean, he knows how to make people of color look fucking beautiful on screen. There's directors who make everybody look beautiful on screen, but Barry Jenkins and Spike Lee, I mean, do you guys remember that shot in in Black Klansmen? Uh, it's very early on where the the dude is speaking at the at the college. And then you're. It's intercutting. intercutting between him speaking at the college to like the Black Student Union, and then there'll just be these images of black people looking up at him. And it's. It looks very similar to like the album cover. I think it's like Queen Two, or like like mm-hmm. Bohem like like whatever the oh. video for Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, yeah. Which just a stark <clears> black <throat> bro- uh, background behind them, and then just like this light shining on them. Like there's shots in this movie where you're just like. These aren't the most beautiful people I've seen in my life, but this is the most beautiful that you can make someone look on screen. Mm. And the movie has like this really methodical, intended, kind of slow pace to it. I have not read uh, the James Baldwin novel that it's based on. It's based on a James Baldwin novel. And the novel itself, I'm told, is just supposed to have a very kind of Specific rhythm to it, he, you know. It, it, it's written in a very kind of a James Baldwin tone that isn't necessarily he's telling you like the story that's happening. It's just kind of a lot of painting a picture for you <laughs> and a lot of mood. Uh, and the movie does a lot of that. Unfortunately, I wasn't as crazy about it as everybody else was mm-hmm. because it is. I mean, it is a slow. It's a slow burn, and I love fucking Terrence Malick. You know, I love Terrence Malick movies, and even I was like, yo, let's go. Like, your your son is in prison. I thought we were going to get him the fuck out. (laughs) You know, I thought my man was in a situation, and you're walking longingly through the streets of Puerto Rico right now. And it's like, I thought you were there to see somebody. Uh, but the performances are great. Regina King, she's, uh, she's nominated for the Oscar. She's a great actress, She's man. amazing. She
0: is a great actress. Yes.
3: Yeah, it's, it's her career, like it's... Wasn't she like on Family Matters? I didn't watch Family Matters growing up, but I'm pretty sure I've grown up watching Regina King since she was a child up until today. And it's I just like, that. I can't believe the career. I can believe it because you've been working this long. And the fact that you are now doing like these you know award-worthy movies is so fucking
0: fantastic. Dude that that cop so show she was on a couple years oh, ago Oh, that's her. it was uh, a Southland? Southland. Yes. Mm. She played this detective. I mean, she was amazing in that, yeah. you know. And that was just it was, a, it was a cool, it was a cop show or whatever, sure. but like she she brings so much to everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like she and and Barry Jenkins like I I, I the thing that he in like moonlight, he captures, and I think good filmmakers do this. we were talking about Spike earlier; they visually capture a mood or a tone. Mm-hmm. The way like a photo, you know, you you look at a, a photo from a certain era. Or I've been watching a lot of jazz documentaries, right. so I'm watching all of these like those like Blue Note album covers. Yes, of like Coltrane or whatever yes. you look, and you're just like that image told me everything in there and yeah. Barry Jenkins does that with movies. Yeah. To where you're just like, "Oh, this scene, he really does like what a would have what an amazing filmmaker does is the he is the entire frame, yep. the lighting, the like everything just captures this this tone of what he is trying to say." Yes. In and, and so it's it's hitting you consciously, subconsciously. You're hearing it, you're seeing it, and you're feeling it. Yes, that's what he's so great at.
3: Yeah, there there are little like moments in the movie where I was like, I just want to, I want them to freeze that, and I would hang that on my wall because mm-hmm. that frame is amazing. It, mm-hmm. It's, it, there's so many moments that are like that. The opening shot of the movie is uh, the couple just like walking. Uh, they're looking for an apartment, and they're, I believe, they're like walking through. I don't remember, it's, it's a park in New York. But it's just like if the camera starts off above their heads and like comes down in front of them and they're kind of wearing matching outfits. So like already the color scheme, you're, you're starting to notice. And like, it's 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 beautiful. It's beautiful to look at the material. And I mean, it is, I mean, it's, it's a young black man who's in prison. So it's like, fuck, this is gonna be like a heavy story. And it's told in such a, for me it felt like such a slow fashion that i was just like god damn this is heavy man i kind of want to like get to the end well i I mean i'm definitely into it but i kind of want to get to the end because i don't know how much longer this it's emotionally exhausting which could work for you know it could work for you uh if you know but for me i was just like oh I, I gotta get out of this movie. <laughs> there, there was a lot of he does. Uh, did you another, see this in the theater? Or? I did see it in the okay. theater. Yeah, I well, can't another,
1: really say Moonlight was a quickly paced film either.
3: No, and that yeah. one, I think that one mm-hmm. because I didn't see Moonlight in the theater, mm-hmm. I was able to. It worked a little bit more for me. I was at home. I was comfortable. I was on my couch watching it. Mm-hmm. I I I never like stopped like took a break or anything from it. But I just felt like I'm in my home right now. Mm-hmm. This feels like a good environment to be watching this. Maybe if I saw. Beale Street at home, I might be into it a little bit more, mm. but in the theater I was just like it's overwhelming it's overwhelming and mm. that's that's not a negative thing it just was like for me I was like, man this is so this you, is a lot
0: do you think that's a personal preference or do you think like he should have cut fifteen minutes out of that I movie? think
3: he should have cut fifteen minutes uh, out okay. of it yeah because okay. they're like I said I I, I'm a fucking Terrence Malick apologist. I, I'm, I'm fine with I a hear long, you. I'll be-
0: Chris is uh, on your side. All right, mm-hmm. my man.
3: <laughs> I have no problem with, with being, you know, if I see a movie's two hours and 47 minutes, I'm like, ooh, all right, here we go. <laughs> uh, the the other thing that he does in, in this movie, it's, uh, I feel like Jonathan Demi does this a lot. Characters will just talk directly to the camera. They're speaking to another character in the movie, but they are looking directly in the camera at you. And after a while, I was like, I'm, I'm sorry that your boyfriend is in prison right now. I will, I, what can I do to get him out? I don't know. I don't know. But stop looking at me. I'm, just, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's a lot to deal with. It's, I'm, I'm in the minority on this movie. I feel like it was loved by everybody. Everybody who's seen it has been so on board. But it just didn't, it just didn't hit with me. All right. Yeah, all right.
0: Enough. Fair all right. enough,
3: man. I still recommend it though. I still mm-hmm. think people should see it. And you're you're a fan of jazz and jazz documentaries. It this this is up your alley, dude. It's up nice. your alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I think you you, you might dig it up. If you watch it, let me know what you thought of it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's one of the
1: it's one of those the ones we have to see. It's soon. one of the
0: yeah. that's the thing about Oscar season. It's also Gotta All of a sudden these movies just start stacking up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and so uh
3: 227. Nice. Thank you, sir. I, I knew I watched her. Her and Barry Sobel.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who I opened for Get the fuck out when here. I was in college yes. at the University of Arizona. Oh, all of us
1: have opened for Barry Sobel at <laughs> one point.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Barry. he just reached out to me on Facebook. I haven't talked to him forever, mm-hmm. man. He's, oh, he's that's
1: great. I haven't yeah. seen him for years. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't um, he, he live by you? Like he
0: did live by me. I think he lives mm. in Texas now. Oh, I think oh, wow. he moved to Austin mm-hmm. is what I heard. But um, so, All
1: right. Let's get to the next movie, They Shall Not Grow Old. And mm. this is one I've been really wanting to see. This is the uh, Peter Jackson documentary. Um, now, you to be clear, you saw it 2D, not 3D. This is I did when- see it in
0: 2D. I heard 3D is an amazing experience. Right. I can only... I, I'm sure it is. It was great in 2D. Mm. Right. So... Mm. What the theme of today's episode is in the right filmmaker's hands, right? right. Yeah, for
1: sure. Right. right. This <laughs> I,
0: I don't know of any but any other filmmaker, maybe one or two, two others that mm. could have done this project this way, right? right. Mm-hmm. So you first you got to backtrack a little bit. He is a a World War One history buff.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. so
0: much so that he owns some like World War One. Cannons and shit like yeah, that. Right. Oh, yeah. He has yeah. a
1: collection of World War I uniforms and weapons uh, because he, um, his grandfather died before his birth due to war injuries from World War One. Oh, wow. It's
0: – I mean, I feel like we could do a whole spoiler up on this episode. And, Chris, mm-hmm. if you do see it, I would love to do that because For sure. it des- it deserves – more time mm-hmm. than, than the five, 10 minutes we're going to give it now. Right. It is an amazing piece of filmmaking. It is an amazing documentary. Mm-hmm. It is an amazing technological feat of For what sure. they've done. Yeah. So- Just from the trailer I saw. That. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. so what, the movie starts first, first, and I, I you got to see it in the theater, mm-hmm. whether it's 2D or 3D, you got to see this in the theater because mm-hmm. seeing this at home, it won't do it justice. Right. It's getting a wider release now, mm-hmm. uh, at least in LA, it was in a half a dozen theaters. I hope it's mm-hmm. all over the country and the world for that matter. So in the screening that I went to, and I hope he's doing this everywhere, there's a five minute introduction by Peter Jackson mm. that explains um, you know, what ha- the, the history. So the um, Imperial uh, War Museum came to him I believe that's a museum in England yes. that is, mm-hmm. the, and, and came to him and said, we have all this footage. We want you to make a documentary only using our footage mm-hmm. about World War I. And he was like, all right, and didn't <laughs> know. It <laughs> wasn't like, he just went, oh, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't sure what to do. And so he was like, I got and, and looking at the footage and then a lot of it, you know, it's old. And some of it is 1910s. like, it's a hundred mm-hmm. years old. Yeah, over and some of it is like reprints so the reprint is 60 years old right you know so you're talking about um physically damaged or or you know maligned film footage that mm-hmm. he then has to go into and of course he uses his fucking crazy lab down in new zealand right yeah Yeah. he literally
3: goes to middle earth yeah Yeah, yeah. hands it up to gandalf yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) wherever whatever whatever alien race gave him that technology (laughs) whatever (laughs) i'm not i don't want to get conspiratorial here but
1: the the wedded dwarves yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's not
0: it's not mortal human technology (laughs) i'm gonna just leave that there um say what you will on our message boards but that's where i'm at uh so he goes he goes to his to his lab in Middle Earth and uh, decides and and it, 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 we talk about documentaries a lot on this show and the different types of documentaries and this is one of those there's the, there's we there's historical documentaries like this where you just have archival footage and you have to tell this story with archival footage and interviews, right? And he does that, but his way of doing that is so inventive. So what he does and then he says at the beginning intro, he says, here's the movie and here's why I did it and what I did. He goes, if you want to stay for the end of the credits, there's like a 30 minute how we did this technologically. You have to stay for that. Mm-hmm. You have to watch that. Cause that is amazing. And he goes into, and he decided to just focus on the British army because he goes, I didn't, I didn't want to just tell 'Cause there was the Americans, the French, the Canadians, the Kiwis, I mean like sure. the the uh, the Italians, like every it was a world war. It was a world war, it was the first world war. So he could have talked about all of the and he didn't want to he goes, I would have just diminished each little so I wanted to just pick one and tell it. Hmm. And since England bore the brunt of it, they lost a million soldiers and um and he realized and then he also had access to I think it's 600 hours of interviews with over 200 soldiers yes. and a and hundred hours of original footage. Um, the first year he just spent, this took four years, yeah, just reviewing the material. Mm-hmm. So then in the reviewing of the footage, because he's, because he's a world war one buff, he's watched all these world war one documentaries. And he's like, I didn't want to just do a standard, you know, the, Archduke of Ferdinand was assassinated, and this caught, right, and, then, right. and then this army advanced, and he goes, I didn't want to do that because I've seen enough of those. So he decided using the footage that he had, because he, when he started cleaning up the footage and looking at it and slowing down the frame rates, because the frame rates, a lot of it was, yep. it was hand-cranked. It was hand-cranked,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, and there was no way to synchronize sound mm-hmm. on a hand-cranked camera. You can't. Yeah, you can't do it.
0: and. He started slowing down the footage and cleaning it up, and he got into the faces of these guys and went, wow. Because it's that black and white footage, the guys running, it, 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 they, yeah. they don't seem real. Yeah. They seem like yeah. toys.
3: I don't, I, don't, I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead, go I, No, no, no. I was just to say that the, I've seen the, the the footage when he hasn't like gone through and done his process, and then afterwards, and yeah, just the difference between like, hey, there's like a soldier walking, and they look, yeah. and then what he did with it, I was like, Whoa. Just that's the frame the frame rate alone amazing. changed. Amazing. Yeah. Like it t- like it's yeah. what's that called? Like, like the uncanny valley? It was like the opposite of that, where I was like, oh no, that's exactly what it's supposed to look like. That's fucking it, it 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 really like jars your eyes. It's fucking amazing.
0: Well you see then these are young guys, eighteen, nineteen years old, and some of them younger. So then as he cleaned up the footage and then had all of these interviews, he went, these are the only people that are gonna tell this story. Mm. There's no historians. There's no, you know, none of that. It's And these interviews- There's no narrator. There's no narrator. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. It's just the, and these guys, these World War One. these British World War I vets were interviewed in the 1960s and 70s. So they're older men. So you hear these older voices just going and you walk through the history. So right when the war is announced and going through basic, that's just actual black and white footage. When we get into the war is when it comes in and becomes color.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. wow.
0: But you hear all of this, all of these guys going, I lied about my age when I told him I was, I don't know why I'm doing an Aussie accent, but I... all my accents are horrible. Austin Powers, what... who is that guy? are <laughs> you from Queens? Where are you from? <laughs> um, but <laughs> <you> know, my <laughs> LA, well, I am from China I am. <laughs> All my accents are horrible. But but these guys are like, you know, and, and we went in in those days and I told the guy I was you had to be 19. So I said I was I was 18 and he goes, "Uh, you want to go outside and have a birthday and come back?"
2: Oh. All these guys wow. lied
0: about their age and they let it happen cuz they needed bodies. Yeah. Right. Fuck. They needed bodies. And then so you hear those stories, and then you got to see trench warfare. And then in the in the thirty minute thing after the movie, he's like, "Well, I had to." He goes, "I'm not a fan of colorizing black and white movies because the filmmaker intentionally chose to shoot in black and white, and to, the the costumes and every, it was lit for black and white. So I don't like that. But this is different," he said. These filmmakers in 1915 only had black this and white. That's yeah. all they had. Yeah. He goes, if you would have said to them, "You want color or black and white?", they would have chosen color.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so Peter Jackson literally goes to Belgium and goes to these sites and gets photos of what he goes. The uniforms, you know, the beige uh, Brit uniforms and the gray German uniforms. That's, but green grass doesn't all look the same shade of green. It looks different under the sunlight and the shade and the blah, 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 you know. And so he went there and took photos of these actual battle sites and put the green. And it comes to life and it is stirring. And then, you know, because once the footage is digitized, then you can zoom in and post. And now I'm seeing this young guy's face. And he talks about film was new. So a lot of these soldiers just oh, there's yeah. a camera. <laughs> yeah, ha, 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 ha. yeah, yeah. That's you know, amazing. And they're mugging for the camera and then he lip gets lip readers and then hires, and he's like, you want to talk about the detail of something, which we were talking about another movie that didn't have the detail um, of going back to what you said about Green Book. They didn't even interview the family. Right. Peter Jackson did the, he did a thousand percent different from that. He looked at footage and said, because there's a scene where there's this guy and it's this, it's a, a footage where this like a British officer is reading something to British soldiers before. And he said, "It's I've seen this clip used in a, in a, in a dozen World War I docs, but I always want to know what he said. He goes in, looks at the insignias, finds the unit they're from. The unit would be from this part of England because they recruited like, whatever county or town you were from, that, that whole unit went over there, right? So he goes, I got a guy from that, from that part of England with that dialect, you know, because somebody from London and somebody from another is going right, to have a different dialect. Just like yeah. America, wow. right? Mm-hmm. And wow, mm-hmm. and I went in the history and I found the letters from that unit that, that were read. And I found the letter that the guy was reading and it was a pep talk. And then I had a lip reader tell me and we were like, that's it. And so I hired an actor that would, would have been from where this guy was from with that dialect, reading this letter. And it's wow. like, you're doing your thing for queen and country. All of England is watching beep. You know, and he's telling these young guys go fight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're like, <laughs> fucking Peter Jackson. I've, yeah, I've yeah. been critical <laughs> of his movies being too <laughs> sure. long or whatever, but God bless this man. Yeah. And then the interviews with the soldiers. And they're like, it is the most anyone that's like, yay, war. <laughs> these guys are like, oh, and then I remember they, uh, you know, there'd be dead bodies and then there's rats, you know, and the rats and the flies, and you'd have to kill rats and you'd step over dead bodies. And after a while, you, and then you're hearing these older guys break down. You know, like I became numb to it. And it's dawning on them in that interview 50 years later mm. that they were wow. around this horrifying thing. And they're like, when we captured the German soldiers, most of them were like, why are, what war's awful. The German soldiers just wanted to go home too. It was awful trench warfare, like horrifying. Yeah. And Peter Jackson, again, does his thing.
1: Wasn't it the first time they used tanks too?
0: First time they ever used tanks. And they talk mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. When they brought, and they thought, oh, the tanks will end this war in, in two months. <laughs> And then he says, like, constant shelling, constant. And what Peter Jackson did, he went to the New Zealand Army that uses um, 60 caliber something like that uh, um, artillery cannons. He goes, they would have sounded similar to the artillery back then. So the New Zealand Army let him go to their artillery range and he miked.
2: Oh, that's <laughs> wow! He miked wow. the
0: fucking range. <laughs> wow. So you're in there. That's and, great. Because he's got footage of artillery and things blowing up. And so yeah. you're hearing. Grow! Right. And I... I heard that once doing a comedy tour in Iraq. It went over mm. my head and it rattled my bones and mm-hmm. it fucking gave me PTSD for years. And I can't imagine hearing that on a daily, goddamn basis. Right? right? Mm-hmm. And it, All day, all, all day, night. All night. Fuck that. And all of these stories of like, I'm standing next to this guy and we were mates and then he got one in the eyes and was dead. And they show horrifying footage of this guy and flies on his body. Mm. and And really talking about how an awful war was. And even then when they went back, nobody gave a shit. Mm. It is, it's a, it's a master, it's a cinematic Marvel. It's a technological Marvel. It's an amazing documentary. And it is one of the best anti-war movies I've ever watched since there, apparently there's very little anti-war movement in America anymore. We're just so numb to war we've been at war for 17 years in afghanistan it's our longest war and and anyone that's like yeah war 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 watch this
2: movie
0: <laughs> because it was like and then at the end of the movie he says world war 1 affected you know uh, something like 20, 30 million people died around the, some crazy number it affected so many people it goes he goes i made i this movie is a movie made by non-historians for non-historians right it's just the soldier story and he said everyone probably has a relative that was in world war Mm one my grandfather was in world war one and he lied about his age Mm -hmm. and would have had to fight but he some officer liked him so my grandfather uh was this officer's aide in like France or England behind the front lines, and he never fought? And had he fought, he might have died, and I wouldn't be here. Right. My great uncle fought in World War One. My uncle, my grandfather, wrote letters to my uh, his mom, which would be my great grandmother. And his, I've read the letters. They're unbelievable. And he's just like, well, we've got Fritz on the run. That's what they called the Germans. Yes. The Americans <laughs> called them Fritz. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got Fritz on the run and we'll probably wrap Jerry this. Was Jerry was World mm-hmm. War Two. Jerry was World War Two, And he goes, we pro, we're probably gonna wrap this up by the fall or whatever. And I went on the internet and checked and he was right
2: mm-hmm.
0: when the armistice happened. It ended right. in 1980. We just celebrated the 100 year anniversary of the end of World War One last mm-hmm. year. It's Fantastic.
1: Well, it it actually premiered at the 2018 London Film Festival in the presence of Prince William. And apparently uh, he liked it so much. Copies of the film were then sent to schools in the UK on the same day. Wow. So like that was like, well, no, all the kids need to see this. Now, I want to ask you this question um, as far as like um, it has an R rating for a documentary. Is that because of the horrific war images? So yeah. it's, it's something that's, it earned its R. It's not like it's-
0: It, it earned its R. I mm. mean, I would I would say-
1: Because for educational or kids to see it, it seems like they need to be older to kind of be able to process it.
0: They do need to be a little bit older. Okay. I think they need to be 15, 16, um, because, or more than 14, 15, 16 in that area, because, mm-hmm. but if they're starting to get old enough to understand about the world and they're getting close to the draft age, they need mm-hmm. to watch this movie because right. mm-hmm. it is like, it's the soldier's point of view. Yep, and that's then, what he wanted to do. That's what he did, mm-hmm. and he did it. It's it's mm-hmm. like, and what how they talk and what they say, w- combined with the footage, because he only had so much footage. You're you're only at the mercy of, of this is the footage I I have to tell the story with this footage. Right, right, yeah,
1: right. You can't. Yeah, there's no reshoots for a movie. Nope. <laughs>
0: no, and you know, that's amazing. It's 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 as someone who's made two documentaries, it mm-hmm. was like I was in awe of it. Mm-hmm. I really Oscar snub. One hundred percent. Yeah. There's no way like. this mm-hmm. th- this should uh, this should be best picture <laughs> and absolutely should get best doc.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. And probably a visual effects
0: too. Uh, oh, for, for sure. Visual mm-hmm. effects absolutely. It's
3: mm-hmm. it's yeah. It's, yeah. The, the the big takeaways there I got were I mean, I knew, I knew already beforehand technically like oh, you have to like I have to see this thing. But like as my, myself not being necessarily a, a historian just hearing that this is a Non historian, a documentary made by non historian makes me want to see it even more a- exactly. Yeah. And I love, I do enjoy watching documentaries, and I love it when they do something different with the format. Whether it's, uh, I've, I feel like I was talking to you about this, like I love the ESPN 30 30s, yeah. I think those are great. And there's the one that's like about uh, the one day in June where like OJ was on the highway. Uh, the Knicks were in the playoffs. <laughs> mm. uh, it was like all these like crazy things were happening like at the, the World same
0: series. time. I don't know, something else was happening.
3: But, but it's all told just in news footage. No talking heads. Yeah. Right. So eventually, your brain, I mean, we're, all, we're there's dumb audiences out there, but we're also kind of fucking smart as well. Mm-hmm. So your mind will kind of like, we'll, we'll pick, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Your mind will start to like figure out what the rhythm of something is, how a story is being told. And once you start to realize like, Hey, nobody's told me what's going on yet, but I know exactly what's going on in this story. It's like a whole new way, like it's just a new way to like actually take in the information that's being given to you. So like, yeah, to hear that it's just all the stuff that they did with these interviews and that they have the soldiers. That sounds fucking amazing, dude.
0: I got to go back and read. I was getting
3: this. chills when you were talking about this. Yeah, I was
0: yeah, like, me too. I, I have copies them. of my grandfather's letters. I want to go mm-hmm. back and read them cuz it's mm-hmm. like you also think about this is how you went to war back then. Oh, yeah. You were gone for 3 years.
2: Yeah.
1: And you
0: wrote letters home and it took three weeks to get back to your home. And that's yeah. how your mom knew if you were alive. There's but no I mean, internet in
1: the base. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, and when I, did, yeah. when
0: I did, you know, not to downplay any struggles of any current military, but I mm-hmm. remember thinking about that when I would go to these bases, when, the, when I've done the Iraq and Afghanistan tours, and I'd see there's a Skype room and they're Skyping mm-hmm. with their kids and video mm-hmm. chatting, which is great. I'm glad. They, but I remember thinking like my grandfather.
1: This You're would, lucky if you got a letter.
0: And if you yeah. got, and when you got the letter, all you knew was he was alive when he wrote this. Right. Yeah. You didn't know if he was alive. I mean, yeah. it was like, and oh man, it, it, it's it's it's, and we don't know enough about World War One, you know. And it's it's it was America. We called it Wall Street's War. And then uh, Woodrow Wilson hired uh, this guy George Creel to come up with the Creel Commission to sell it to America that we needed to be in this war. <laughs> wow.
3: Well, I've played Risk, Graham, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I don't want to tell you that I know exactly what you're talking about, but I I think just know, I know a ship sank, <laughs> and
1: then things got bad.
3: <laughs> no, that's
1: Battleship. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I need to take control of Greece. Something I think about that's what... <laughs> Yeah.
1: Um... So, all right, we've got some Patreon sponsors. How about it? Yeah, we're, uh, it's going to be a super-sized episode today. Oh, big, <laughs> um, hot, and fast. It is February, and it is, we got some uh, returning Patreon sponsors. We want to thank you guys so much. This really helps us uh, go and keeps the light on. It really supports the show. And uh, in return, we support you with your endeavors. So, like Johnny Rulon, he has his novel Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel that follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and immortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyharshowproductions.com, happyharshowproductions.com.
0: Hey, can we get the movie rights to that, Johnny? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, maybe we can get them to Peter Jackson. <laughs> so, uh, the Audacity Performing <laughs> Arts Project. Um, produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit them at audacityperformingarts.com audacityperformingarts.com and Without
0: performing arts, we don't have um, a beautiful commentary on the human experience. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that is That's very true.
0: Um,
1: it says it on my head. Yeah.
2: <laughs> how'd, how'd you know that? <laughs>
1: And from, from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. Get caught up in season one now before season two premiere in February, that's this month, wherever podcasts are found. Find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. That's coffeeoversuicide.com.
0: I'm a tea drinker, but yes. I support this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
1: Alice Frazier, co-host of the Vehicle podcast, and Tea with Alice, host of, uh, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and uh, with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Check out alicefraser.com, alicefraser.com. Hi, Alice. And uh, Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. We move past hesitation. We're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life. You want to hear some fun stories, get inspired, check out The Art. And Laura House was just on The Art. Oh, right on. Facebook.com slash The Art Podcasts, The Art Podcasts with an S. And last but not least, La Calavera by Alan Ross. The story of a pirate radio operator decides to go into the pirate cable TV business, Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's on Amazon an ebook and hard copy.
0: I want to know what a Dick Nixon spiritual. Yeah. is. Like.
1: <laughs>
0: That's got a Bubba too. Hotep kind of feel, it. I like this.
1: Yeah. I like that. <laughs> All right, trailers. You've got to All have right. a couple of uh, Super Bowl trailers. Oh. Uh, Toy Story uh, Four. Hell yeah!
0: Toy Story Four trailer.
1: And uh, the other one was Avengers Endgame, which is interesting though. They were both, um, they're they were short, so they were both kind of thirty second teaser trailers, mm-hmm. but specifically for the Super Bowl.
0: Well, that's because sixty seconds was too much.
1: Oh, that's very expensive.
0: It's too much. Yeah. So they just yeah. Eighteen million mm-hmm. dollars to sell a mm-hmm. goddamn McRib
3: during the Super Bowl. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You're on mute. <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Oh, this isn't it. Of this, and ice
3: cream yeah, All yeah, right. this is the original one. All right, don't The question. Super Bowl—it should just be movie trailers. I agree. Movie trailers yeah. and like—I don't even know what else. But I. I well, th- I, think, I think will I say heard this. That, I'm sorry. My favorite one
1: of the Super Bowl was the Twilight Zone promo. I thought that yeah, was fantastic. Yes, that was great. And ironically, the only one without a creepy robot in it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that one that one was that one was really good i'm, I'm very much looking to it wow me. this place is amazing
0: was a buzz gonna meet us here
3: he must be
2: held up somewhere hey up here astro boy
1: if you think you can take our top prize spot you're wrong get wrong help me get Not out of here oh, i'll help you with my foot wow yeah. <laughs> how you like that cheetah
2: oh oh to infinity Boy, <laughs> In the vacuum of space, they cannot hear you <laughs>
1: that, That's all we need. That's all we need, are we? are seeing it anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they have a built-in um, audience. I know. Avengers Avengers Endgame, this was, uh... I'm like, again, it's money you don't need to spend. We're already there.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a little it, disappointed. I fucking hate this. What was it? A little disappointed in this trailer because it was just like i'm already going to this you didn't yeah. show me anything new no it's just so. completely unnecessary well i like watching you spend your money then How about yeah.
2: mm-hmm. some people
3: move on but us
1: is dr strange using the time stone yet
0: i mean i mean yeah
1: like that trailer was not going to change anyone's mind like oh, i was going to see it until that trailer came Wait, out totally. yeah or it's like well i was on the fence now i really want to see it no, it's like it, it was a completely uh um you know meaningless expenditure on disney's part and the other thing it's not going to do is like Oh, I forgot. The Avengers. When is that coming out? So, That's also not happening. So I don't, I don't know. I think eventually the studios will catch up and realize they don't need to spend all that money anymore. And it's, no. it's starting to happen because um, some of the uh, big studios are starting to skip Comic-Con now. Because they're realizing, well, we don't really need to – you guys are all going to come see more movie anyway. We don't really need to be there.
0: The only thing – the reason I say no to that Mm -hmm. to a certain extent is I wonder because there's such a media machine. There's a lot of mouths you're feeding when you drop $40 million to promote a $200 million movie. Mm -hmm. I wonder Mm -hmm. if they start – like maybe, all right, we want to spend all that money at Comic-Con. But if they just said we're going to trim back our advertising –
1: There'd be pushback
0: with the with the advertising agency. Go no 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) The
1: the board of directors like, well, how are people going to know you have a Spider Man movie coming out? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to know. No
3: one will go see
0: it. I wonder. (laughs) I mean, that would like bankrupt ad agencies. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a bad thing? (laughs) Is
3: that the most horrible thing? Am I supposed to feel bad about that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess I'll watch Mad Men, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good points, gentlemen. (laughs) Excellent exchange. (laughs)
1: So, all right, and on DVD and Blu-ray we have The Grinch. Uh, you know, I again, it's completely unnecessary. It's uh um we have the great you know, original animated movie. We've had, you know, other versions of The Grinch come out already. Uh, I don't know if this was, but you know, all right, I guess people went to see it. Kids made their uh their parents take them. I don't think it did Gangbusters. It's not it definitely didn't get into Pixar territory, but uh um I will say this there's a lot of material that would be really interesting to adapt from dr seuss like i thought the lorax adaptation it got mixed reviews i thought it was really good i thought it captured the spirit of the uh story and the the um ecological message really nicely about protecting the environment but uh um there's you know dr seuss dr seuss has a much larger library than people think because they have uh, it's always the same ones you hear about it's cat in the hat The Grinch, you know, those are the ones that keep getting over and over again, like the Lorax is. But then you also have like, you know, things like the weird bread and butter war, which is about like an arms race and things like that. Mm. There's there's some really crazy, oh, the places you'll go. And like there's all these um, other, um, I had trouble getting to Sala Salu. Like there's all these different interesting themes that he explores um, that could be adapted in a similar way that the Lorax was. But... Um like, nope, we're just going to do the Grinch again. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> didn't SNL yeah. have, like, mm-hmm. back in the day, didn't they have Jesse Jackson read Green Eggs and Ham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that. That if we're going to update I'll, anything, yeah, yeah. can yeah. we get Barack Obama yeah. to read, like, <laughs> Green Eggs and Ham? There you go. Give us the, <laughs> Bring those properties back to <laughs> us, right? Uh, and Widows. Widows is out now. Ooh, yeah, I like this, that movie. That yeah, was yeah. fun. I mm-hmm. thought that was one of the best movies last year. I really mm-hmm. did. It was- I, I I I don't know why that movie wasn't more of a hit. I, I was expecting it to, like... So
0: did I. I think sometimes, you know, the... the there's no 30-second Super Bowl spot. Right. Well, there's that, and also, like, sometimes if it's thrown into just sort of the taken genre, it doesn't get taken as a right. legitimate yeah. movie. Like, yeah. oh, it's just a revenge shoot 'em up
3: Mm -hmm. where it's like,
0: even though that movie was that, Mm -hmm. it was really well written. I love the character arcs of it. Totally. The the struggles everyone had to go through, the conflict that everyone had, I really liked
3: it. Yeah, yeah, I was, I I walked out of that movie like, oh man, everybody is gonna love this. And then people were like, I didn't see it. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, (laughs) and
0: Viola Davis. Viola Davis. She's great in everything. Yes. Yeah. Like, I'd want to watch her read Green Eggs and Ham.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: Just like on the brink of tears when she does that thing, when her yes. lips start quivering, and you know she's either going to cry or punch you or both.
1: Mm-hmm. Again, another fertile ground for a Dr. Seuss remake. <laughs> <laughs> Widows and pillows. Mm-hmm. And uh, the girl on the spider's web. This is, again, it's... Like mm. a, a,
0: Nobody cared. It it, it didn't hey, do know, well. I love the girl with the yeah. dragon tattoo. All those yeah. movies, but this felt like
1: it was like it, it was a it, this this was the uh, girl with the dragon tattoos. Um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Ah. <laughs> this really was. It's like, well, we're out of books. The author died. We'll just have somebody else write one, and then we'll adapt that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, the sisters, brothers. Now this is the western with uh, John C. Riley and. Um, I heard really good things about this. This is another movie that I heard good things about that nobody saw. So it's really? another one I really wanted to see. I was. saw this movie. Oh, really?
3: I did not like this movie uh, at oh, all. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, so, and so, I am all, I, I'm all about the Terrence Mallet slowness. Yeah. <laughs> I love, uh, you know what I think I love? I love mm-hmm. white people
0: walking through wheat fields and <laughs> feeling wheat
3: fields. I'm all for that, man. That's, so, that's my wheelhouse.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like a Grape Nuts commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, all right, fair enough. This is the this is the first dissenting opinion I've heard on this movie. Yeah, I, again, I'm mm-hmm. in the minority. I
0: got hot takes, y'all. I got
1: <laughs> hot, hot <laughs> takes.
0: I haven't heard mm-hmm. anything about
1: yeah. this movie. Oh yeah, it came and went literally like yeah. in a couple of weeks. All right, beautiful but, to look at. Mm-hmm. I mean There's again, there's imagery in it where I'm like, how the fuck did they? Wasn't shoot it that? like a wannabe Cohen Brothers vibe kind of thing? Like it, it I heard it's it's a Cohen
3: Brothers it. type vibe. It's a it's a Days of Heaven type vibe. Uh, okay. uh, it's It's very slow character piece. And then when the eventual story does start to happen, it's like, I just didn't care. I just I really was like, just not emotionally invested in it, but looks amazing. Like, if you can see it on a big screen, like, I don't know what your TV setup is at home, Mm -hmm. your home theater setup is, but like, Hmm. if it's on a Sunday, yeah, you know, treat yourself to watching Mm -hmm. something pretty. It
1: sounds like content wise, it's an airplane movie something you watch yes. on a plane
3: actually yeah. don't watch it on a plane because the plane will probably be louder than the movie there's also like <laughs> 47 minutes of dialogue in this two hour plus movie oh, oh. wow okay. <laughs> All right, and then um, the site
1: spotlight, uh, more people are coming back to the message boards. We're um, excited that uh, you know those are slowly getting populated again. I know it's gonna take a little while, but uh, feel free, come on. There's plenty to talk about, especially with Oscars. And uh, say hi to uh, Charlene, our moderator over there. Hello. And uh, Dana Gold merch, we are closing that out. This is the only place you could get a lot of those t-shirt designs. Once they are gone, they are gone. 20% off with the coupon code Dana, and also free t-shirt with every uh, t-shirt order. And um, also Allison Rosen merch, we are closing those out as well. That's 20% off with Snuggle. And anything, and all things Jackie Cation, 20% off with the coupon code DORK. All right, premiering this week, Graham, ready? Oh,
0: I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: The Lego Movie, part two, this, Lego Movie, excuse me, the Lego Movie 2, colon, the second part. Mm. So um, I liked the first one. Yes. uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is the kind of thing where I can almost guarantee not going to be as good as the first one. <laughs> it really feels like, well, I think the first one was kind of lightning in a bottle kind of thing. Like, how are you going to make a Lego movie interesting or fun? And they did. Mm-hmm. But now, okay, they did. It's done. Like, I saw the Lego Batman movie. I was like, eh, it's all right. It's okay. But yeah, but so I'm thinking this is this is going to be aggressively mediocre. <laughs>
3: That's what it should have been. Yeah. The Lego Movie 2, colon, aggressively. <laughs> yeah. you. now, you're, now I'm giving you my money.
0: <laughs> I would love so. a movie that was that self-aware. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, uh, and the next is What Men Want. This is the, uh, I cope to God, Mel Gibson is in this movie in a cameo. somewhere. I would love to see that.
0: I mean, the um, remake of a Mel Gibson rom-com that wasn't that great to begin with. Yeah,
1: finally. Finally. And <laughs>
2: switching
0: all
1: the gender roles. Oh, yes. Because
0: yes. the uh, thing about the original one, not a great movie, but the mm. point of it was he was a kind of a pig, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He was a sexist mm-hmm. pig, and then he had a better understanding of what women went right. through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this movie looks like, man, ah, men are stupid. I'm going to figure out how dumb they are. Yes. You know, this is sort of...
1: And then we're going to have another hour and 15 minutes to fill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the next movie we're going to be doing a spoiler about, speaking of Liam Neeson, Cold Pursuit. Mm. This is his Taken on a Plow.
0: Hi, <laughs> man. This is, yeah. you know, Taken anytime, wherever he wants to go with his Taken. Mm-hmm. I think we haven't, have we done Tropical Beach Resort yet? Like,
1: it's coming. Surf. It has to surf be coming. Taken. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, buddy,
3: he's a Sandals Resort Sandals Taken. Sal- <laughs> All inclusive Taken.
1: Now, oh my God, I'm picturing that movie right now. Like, uh, Liam Neeson is in a Hawaiian shirt, shorts, sandals. He's walking on the beach, but he's still got that scowl. Like, he's like, this is my vacation. I'm still going to look angry.
0: I bet you that one was next. After he shot this, and he's like, God, I had to spend six months in Canada. He called his agent and said, you better find a sandals taker.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm doing a lot of, like, sailboat scenes and hanging out in the hot tub and killing a a guy in a jet ski.
1: (laughs) Well... That is it. That is our supersized
3: episode, Whoa. ladies and gentlemen. Mm.
1: Uh, Ricky, where can people find you on the internet and on your
3: podcast? You can find me uh, on Twitter at Ricky Carmona. You can find me on Instagram at Ricky Carmona. Uh, I'm a writer for uh, Tosh.0. So uh, then you're at t- season 10, or season 11, I'm sorry. We'll be coming back uh, at the end, in the beginning of March. Uh, so looking forward to going back to work. Uh, and Who Shot Your Podcast is also uh, on Twitter. Uh, Who Shot Your Podcast.
0: Check it out. I was on it. Uh, it came out a couple weeks ago. I had a lot of fun on it. It's a really cool podcast. Thanks, it's a great, dude. Yeah, it's a great Thanks, format. Man. It's a great format. Um, Chris, what are you, what happened with you?
1: I've got a... <laughs> what happened or what's going to happen?
0: <laughs> that sounded really... Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Know, I, was, I was trying to pimp I'm you into, yeah. into talking about yeah. the podcast, but instead I made it seem like... What's your fucking problem? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what the fuck you say before well, I get <laughs> you, just,
1: you just changed the order of one or two words.
0: Look what happened. I know, it really it doesn't, it doesn't take much to yeah. really...
1: Uh, I am very excited to announce that the new episode of Conversations from the Abyss is out. It's called The Operative, When All Political, and who better to have on a political episode than Grandma Wood and Rick Overton. <laughs> so it is about a political operative who pays a little visit to the president to discuss the emotions of politics and then it goes very south from there so uh, check it out Conversations from the Abyss on uh, Apple iTunes and wherever podcasts are recorded and found and listened to uh, you can get it and um, also the graphic novel Long Ago and Far Away the full copies are in the Comedy Film Nerd store and soon to be digitally broken up into eight issues with um, Dan Harmon's company Starburns Press I will let you guys know when that is up in Comixology
0: Speaking of left-wing socialists, you can watch my uh, my YouTube channel, Political mm-hmm. Vigilante, where I get all left-wing, anti-war, not, don't like the two-party system uh, babblings.
1: But to be clear, no conspiracy theories.
0: <laughs> no, actually, I don't. <laughs> I deal with facts. I deal with like all the coups the CIA has <laughs> done and is currently doing in Venezuela. Anyway, How many that's times a i hear about lizard
3: people. But, yes, no, be there for I'm the not people. I leave please. that
0: to Sam Tripoli's tinfoil <laughs> hat. podcast. <laughs> Ideal, in fact. Uh, and you can listen to Political Vigilante on iTunes. Um, download it. Uh, positive reviews. And then, of course, um, I'm going on the road this month. I'm headlining um, three different zanies in the Chicago area. Oh, February. Right. Yeah, up. yeah. Up. yeah I love zanies. So I'm doing St. Charles for three nights, downtown yes. for three nights, and Rosemont for four nights. February yes. 21st through March 2nd. Uh, and the Progressive Comedy Tour with Ron Placone. Uh, we are going to the Gulf States March 10th through the 13th. We're going to Lafayette, Louisiana, Oxford, Mississippi, Pensacola, Florida, and New Orleans. So go to Grahammelwood.com for all of your Graham Elwood needs.
1: And we also want to thank you guys for supporting the show and supporting the Patreon. If you want to, you know, we have the $50 ad tier, but there's many other lower tiers. You want to do a one, two, five, all that stuff helps. And uh, we want to start growing the show again. So we're going to be doing a lot more promotion. And uh, you guys can also help with that. You know, just share post, um, reviews, all of those things help the Comedy Film Nerds podcast. So anything you guys can do to help promote, retweet the tweets, um, like the Facebook page, any of those things help grow the show. And uh, those are
3: free things you can do as well. So thank you.
0: Ricky, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank
3: you for having me. This was so awesome. Yeah, Hell yeah. Look Look this was great. It yeah, was a great thank episode.
0: You. Uh, thank you, Aaron, on the uh, ATC ones and twos and everybody here at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm
1: Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first.